this episode edited by Dalton Brack. <laughs> Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that's all about the stories we make while playing those board games that we love. <laughs> yes, the games we play on, off, around, even under our gaming table sometimes. It's the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is episode 120, which means it's a zero episode. It's an episode all about the podcast itself. To help celebrate the zero episode, I've got a couple of peeps with me, each of which are very important. Who's with me? Who wants to go first? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Are you talking to the knaves? I'm talking to Byron. (laughs) Hey, what's up? Hey, we got Sir Byron Morgan with us, also known as the First Knight. Byron, why are you called the First Knight? I was the first person to sit down and actually record something and send it to you. So that gives me elite status. <laughs> That's right. You got a lot of street cred when it comes to the Tuesday night street. It's a zero episode, and I figured what better way to do a zero episode than bring on the first night, Sir Byron Morgan, and Sean and I just grill you with questions so you can explain to all the listeners what the hell a zero episode is and what the Tuesday night podcast is all about, besides talking about whatever the hell we want. You ready, Sir Byron? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, first of all, what the hell's a zero episode? So a zero episode is something you guys kind of creatively named just to make it an easy entry point for new listeners. Um, it's a way that they can jump into a podcast without feeling lost. They do this a lot with D&D podcasts. Like, so, for example, if you wanted to go listen to like The Adventure Zone or something like that, where do you start? Well, with your guys' podcast, anything that ends in a zero, you just jump in right there. You're good to go. Nice. Sean, you want to take a question? Should we go back and forth like it's some type of schoolyard bullying? Who is Captain Chestbeard? Uh, he's he's a bro, man. He's the guy that just jumps in and kind of keeps things going along. He's he's kind of nasty, but I like him. Because <laughs> my question was going to be, who is our studio manager who likes to occasionally take some listeners hostage, apparently? But speaking of which, what do we call our listeners? Those are the knaves. And then why a knave and what can you do about being called a knave? What is a knave? What the hell is that? They're the uninitiative. They're the, you know, the massive masses of people we collect taxes from and get them going, you know. (laughs) But if you want to if you want to get into, you know, some noble night area, you got to just have a microphone and just record something and send it in to Sean or Alan and let them edit it up and make it sound hilarious and great and just tell a good story. So who are we to even run a podcast? Uh, you guys are the minds behind Two Rooms in a Boom, a fantastic party game that's very notable around the board gaming industry. You run Tuesday night games. Um, you have a couple good games under your belt, uh, including World Championship Russian Roulette. All right, let's start getting some hard questions. You ready to really grill Sir Byron Morgan, Sean? Sure, yeah. Okay, this is typical Sean response. Yeah, whatever, sure. I just, I'll be your shell. It's hot seat time. Cue in like the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music. Boom. 
Sir Byron Morgan, where did Sean McCoy and Alan Girding meet? I am pretty sure it was at an Origins. I'm not 100% on that. I'm pretty bad about remembering that. But you guys <laughs> kind of ran into each other and threw around a couple ideas for Two Rooms and a Boom. And I think that's right where you guys started off on the right foot. Sean, respond to his answer. Origins? No, that's incorrect. Dang. Going home already. All right, guys, I'll see you later. <laughs> yep. This was a short game. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Tuesday Night Podcast. <laughs> Next time we'll bring the second night. We met in Vegas, Las oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. I can see why it'd be confusing. <laughs> uh, it was with Arcane Arcane Wonders and Mage Wars. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is right. I remember now. We didn't have some new shit happen to us. <laughs> you got something for him, Sean? Yeah. What is an SBJ and why does he hate us? <laughs> sounds sexual i'm pretty sure i gotta go on uh urban dictionary real quick but no that's uh the original kind of like host i guess you could call him back when i started listening you guys had sbj who runs a myriad of awesome pokemon podcasts and other things like that who sadly had to part ways with you guys just because his plate was getting a little too full that's not really a relevant question since you know, if you're a new listener, you're likely to never run into SBJ again. <laughs> I just thought it was a fun little piece of trivia. Well, that's not true. I hope he does other live shows all the time. For instance, at Gen Con. And He's at Origins a lot, isn't he? I'm or? sure he'll be No, Gen Con. Yeah. Gen Con. All right, Sir Byron. What's B-Team? And are there names that fall under the umbrella of B-Team? Yes, B-Team are, I, I believe that they are people that fill in when you guys couldn't come in. I'm not stacked on my player list of B team. I know Logan's one of them, but I don't really know who Logan is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the other one? Um, oh, he's going to love that. <laughs> no, I don't. I can't remember. It's It's been, I mean, to be fair, it has been a lot of episodes since the B team has been like, it's Will. Will there on you the go. B-team. I know. Him. Yeah. I got it. There we go. I just had to talk it out a little bit. Was it talking out or are you looking it up while we're talking no, here? No, I, I got I got my microphone in the way. I have no access to my mouse, really. So that was a legit brain pull. <laughs> okay. You got another one for him, Sean? Ooh, it's tough. There's so little to know about the show. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes of the show have there been? This is the 120th, but it doesn't include any of the origin ones that are not numbered. Um, I know there's like three of those at least. Good answer. Good answer. It's better answer than I can give. I remember the first Christmas we took off. And so I did like three holiday spectacular episodes mm-hmm. and they were on there. So that's that's a pretty good answer there, Sir Byron Morgan. By the way, we're totally going to get to know you later in the show. Hey, whatever. There's nothing much I got notoriety wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's an elevator pitch? Oh, man, that's a one minute telling the heart and soul of a game. It's not telling the rules, but it's more of what makes the game worthy to be played. Now, Sir Byron, what game have you been playing lately? (laughs) Uh, I got a couple under my belt. I mean, I got some Gloomhaven in. I got some Cockroach Poker has been hitting pretty good. Cockroach Poker? Yeah. My goodness. Sir Byron, what character would you like to be as you describe cockroach poker to... Oh, I don't know. I think you guys got to pick one. I don't want to make it too easy. I think we should just go with the theme then where you're a cockroach on the elevator. Oh, boy. Are you ready, sir? 
Oh, I'm ready. Ooh, I am a kakarocha. This is kind of racist, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in kakaroch poker, you sit down with two to six people and you you are trying not to get the icky grossy bugs in front of you so you must lie and use the cheating not so much the cheating it's more of the lying and the playing on people's weaknesses you pass a card and tell them what it is it could be one of the eight icky yucky suits and as soon as you have four of those in front of you you lose and that's pretty much it you want to lie pretty good that's it. That's a short guy. That's an easy one. That's pretty good. I have another question, unless you have one, Sean. Do you have one? No, I do not. Sir Byron, how do we end every episode? It's where the guest or whoever says finished, but in a weird, goofy way and make it kind of funny, but that's finished. How do you think we're going to end this episode? Oh, man, I don't know. Probably the same way. <laughs> uh, who do you think's going to say finish and how are they going to say it? Oh, I hope it's me. How will you say finished? Oh, we're going to go a little bit like this. Mm, finished. <laughs> That's nice. But what I need you to do is be that cockroach. Because oh, we're going to do boy. a callback. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Remember, the goal is to make our guests just regret ever coming on to our show. <laughs> so we want to make sure you never want to come back again. Byron, what are your main, I don't want to call them duties, but what are the main ways that you support the Tuesday Night Podcast? <laughs> Duty. Well, it's it's kind of just more emotional support and doing the grunt work. Um, I do the show notes on the website where I just basically use Board Game Geek and my vast knowledge of board games to type in every game that you guys talk about, just so it's easier for listeners to find those games and get a hold of them. And just some emotional support with like throwing back ideas and just more of like a soundboard of like a removed third party of whatever you guys have to say. That's really about it. So, Sir Byron, first of all, thank you so much for doing the show notes and being a sounding board for us, because since as early as I can tell, you were the one who provided us with so much feedback. So thank you so much. And thank you to all the other knaves and even knights out there that I have written in. We really appreciate all the communication that you've done. But Sir Byron, what do you think we're missing in the show? What's the best aspect of the show that we should refine? What's the worst aspect that we should stop? And what's something that we should keep on doing, but maybe tinker a little bit? This exercise, by the way, is known as red light, green light, yellow light. Green light, hey, I love that. Keep doing that, maybe even more. Red light, you gotta stop doing that. And yellow light, hey, maybe switch this up a little bit. So a couple of things I would say that are really great are you guys just gotta keep going with talking about being a publisher Keep it up with talking about graphic design. I feel like that's a very underwhelming part of the community right now. Like I couldn't tell you a graphic designer working in the industry besides Sean. Um, and I think that's like kind of like a gray area that people aren't seeing, but it's a very important part. Man, I'm writing this down. Get more graphic designers on the show. You know, I mean, there's some good ones out there. I mean, the artists are really like the guys that get the most attention. They're the rock stars around the board game industry with the designers and the artists. You can't play a game if it looks like junk on the card. So, you know, you should get a little more light on that. <laughs> I just made a joke about like several companies. Like, well, you can play games that look like junk and people do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, you know, when you look at a game, even like Cockroach Poker, like the art really gets it there. But the corners of the cards just with that simple we need an icon for there. Someone made that icon and put it there and laid out that whole game. And that game it thrives on that, you know, and having on the back of the cards, it has all eight suits. 
And that's amazing because it's like, I don't have to keep reminding people what the eight suits are. Just look at the back of your cards and it tells you everything right there. Sir Byron, shut up. I'm a huge fan of having the card backs be beautiful, but also functional in the game as perhaps reference. So right. that's a beautiful example of that. Okay. So does this fall under the category of green light? Please keep talking about graphic designers. Yeah. I mean, that's green light. I mean, you catch glimpses of it, you know, with Sean talking about some of the projects he's worked on or just kind of little tidbits about what he's been doing or why he did stuff the certain way. That's great. You need more of it. And as far as game designers, you know, you guys have a unique point of view where not a lot of people that are game designers publish their own stuff. So that's also a big point. You know, you got Jamie Stagmeyer throwing out constant blog posts about how to run stuff on Kickstarter. He's like the biggest one that's, you know, showing off his skills. Yellow light is what again? Uh, something that we're doing, but it needs a lot of tinkering. Like, hey, you're doing this, but it should be done this way. So it's not bad. It just could be done better. One thing I could say you guys can do better is you got to be greedier, man. We got to get this Patreon flowing. You guys deserve to get a little bit of retribution for those sweat and tears and everything and the time that you put into your game, man. You got to take that revenue out there because I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, are ready to go and throw some money at you for the product and the time that you guys put out, you know? That was uh, one of the nicest yellow lights I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> hey, you know me. I don't hold back. I tell you guys the negative aspects when it's there right away because I know you guys can take criticism very well. Well, speaking of which, hit us with the red light. You got to stop doing this. Stop doing this. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the time you have a lot of guests on here for Kickstarter. Kickstarter's great. I am not a Kickstarter guy myself. I know, Alan, you are a junkie, but other than that, I think you got to get some other people in here that will do some different stuff. I think you need to have some guests from like other podcasts to really promote yourself and have a little more entertainment. I will always recommend that you guys get bored with life on here because I love their media stuff that they put out. That's going to bring more listeners in. I was just talking to Donald the other day about if we would come up with some, I don't want to say anti-Dice Tower network, but this idea that we're all in a one shopping center that isn't the Dice Tower. Because obviously the Dice Tower won't have us because we have that big E-label. Sir Byron, what does that E-label mean? Explicit, because you guys say naughty language. That is correct, sir. Even though I don't think we've sworn at all this episode. Fuck. <laughs> 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 but it's good to have there because we've been told by so many guests, it's very relaxing to them to know that they don't have to censor themselves as they talk. But I was talking to Donald and I said, hey, what do you think of having a network going on? And he's really excited about it. So Donald from Board With Life. And the reason I brought it up is one of the common requests that we get a lot is hey, you guys should do a role-playing podcast. Yep. But there's Random Encounters with B-Team Logan on it, and there's also the Board with Life Adventures. There's already so many great role-playing podcasts out there that I feel it's almost arrogant for me to think, well, we could do it better. I don't think that you should think of it as you're trying to do it better because, I mean, are you a podcast guy? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts, Alan? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. For example... Let's just say, you know, I mean, how many podcasts do you have in your queue? Let's just think of it like that. I am always looking for more podcasts to add to my queue because I have a 45 minute one way commute and the podcasts that I listen to are not enough to fill my time. So, you know, when I see Stephen Bonacore coming out, I may not 
absolutely love Stronghold games, but I'll listen to it just because I need something to fill that time and I value his opinion and his views. So with you putting out this creative media of playing a RPG, I don't think you're doing it to say we're better than you, but this is our viewpoint of it. If this was the way that people would think, there would only be one cartoon on TV because not everyone could do it better. But there are thousands because it's like I love Bored with Life. I love Adventure Zone, but I don't like other D&D podcasts because they're just not funny enough to me or they're not what I'm feeling or I don't like the people making it where the people that like you and Sean. They're dying for an RPG podcast because they know that, you know, if Sean's being a DM, I can learn some stuff from him. It's not saying that you're doing better. You're just doing it differently. Gotcha. Because my argument with that analogy of only having one cartoon doesn't necessarily apply because we could be guests on those podcasts. So imagine you're watching Looney Tunes and that's all that's available. Like, man, I could go for some Transformers instead. But wait a second. Optimus Prime is going on the Looney Tunes show for a couple episodes. This is my improv skill. I came up with I Optimus gotcha. Prime and Looney Tunes. But nice. that's that was kind of my thought. I was thinking we could do uncharted territory. There are so many games you can play over a podcast besides role-playing games. Right. Cause like you did like tales of the Arabian nights uh, with your wife. And that was a fantastic podcast. Not only oh, did it teach you, me how to play that game, but it was an interesting story to go along with it. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate your green, red and yellow lights, man. I'll definitely take that into account. Why don't we give it to you, Byron? You can ask us anything you want. I was prepared for this. Uh, I have a serious question for Sean. I want to know why you're not talking about some other RPGs that you've been making, a.k.a. I saw a heist on the 8th of January and didn't hear one peep from you about it. And it looks absolutely fantastic. Are you talking about you saw it on my blog? What's the name of your blog so everyone else can go ahead and check it out? FailureTolerated.com. <laughs> Which is just kind of a so funny good. name for a, It's a, a great blog. name. It's fantastic. I mostly just write about role-playing games that I'm playing or that sort of stuff. Occasionally, board games will get in there. And then as the convention season starts up, which is usually like I have a lot more thoughts about where we're going as a company around that time because Alan and I are seeing each other more. And so we like check in with each other and like talk about where we want the company to go. And we're seeing where all the other companies are. So it's like a nice sort of compare and contrast period. So I write more about board games in the summer. You know, the role-playing game stuff, this sort of gets into business plan material for Alan and I, but Alan and my goal for 2018 is three new Kickstarters for three new games, or two new games and a Two Rooms and a Boom expansion pack. Because right now, where we are as a company, that kind of stuff is what makes us money. Alan and I are huge role-playing game fans. I think we'd like to branch out into role-playing games eventually. I'm not sure, but they're totally different industries. They really, really are. Yeah, I actually got my start into game design by designing role-playing games. I started getting in by redesigning Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, taking it to Gen Con, and showing my notes to who was in charge at the time at Fantasy Flight for that IP for Warhammer. And basically, when I saw what they released, it seemed to really take on a lot of what I was offering up. So that was actually what got me really excited. I was like, oh, well, that was nothing. I have so many more ideas than this. Slowly but surely, I realized playtesting and getting a role-playing game published gets so much less validity and takes so much more time than a stupid card game like, that's not Lemonade, our next Kickstarter. I can't wait. Yeah! 
I'm really excited about that, too. I liked hearing you guys talk about You Mad Bro and how much you guys really liked it. And then when I heard you guys were going to re kind of format it and put it into a Kickstarter, I was all about it. So I'm, I'm so excited for it. I was just making plans today to create the lemonade stand for our booth space this convention season, Sean. So for Origins and Gen Con, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. The idea is you'll come to our booth and there'll be lemonade stands. And I hope we can pull this off that when you buy a copy, you will get some lemonade. But sometimes that's not lemonade. <laughs> oh, boy. Of course, we're not talking about something that would get us legally in trouble if someone drank it. It's just, oh, this isn't lemonade flavored. This is flavored something else. What else you got for us, Sir Byron? Bring it. I do appreciate the work that you put in for Two Rooms in a Boom, but I've never heard that Warhammer story before. So what are some other gaming industry stories that you had before Tuesday Night Games? So uh, I designed many, many games before I even started a company with Sean. In fact, Sean got to know me a little bit when I was pitching Woo Wee, which we've renamed Hansy, and we're hoping to get that to everyone soon as well. I worked really hard and still work really hard in the backgrounds on working on many role-playing games. So the main thing with my role-playing game design that I learned was Studying all these different role-playing engines, there's some basic questions that have to be answered. One of them is, how do characters level up? The other is the magic system. But here's the main point I want to make is there's such a juxtaposition in most role-playing games between the narrative phase and the combat phase. And in this way, a lot of role-playing games are two totally different games stitched together. Because the narrative, you're not doing some tabletop tactical game but once you start drawing swords and bows and arrows, all of a sudden there's turns and you go round robin instead of just shouting out what you want to do, etc. For the longest time, I wanted those to seem more seamless. And I kind of went the other route and made them so different that I realized, oh crap, these are two totally different games. Now I've designed this nothing but narrative role-playing game. And then I had this nothing but a tactical combat game. And I've moved away from both of those so much and the more recent role-playing game that I've actually been playtesting and playing and with my wife, surprisingly, and she really loves it, but she's biased because, you know, we <laughs> kind of live together and sleep next to each other, but is one that uses tarot cards as the main engine. And I specifically am designing it, so it's just two players. It's one person is the card master and the other player is the person who is going through the adventure. And that way it actually has a feel of a tarot card reading, just like the old fair or gypsy idea where you come into the tent and there is the tablecloth and in front of you is just the place the cards. That has been going over really well to the point when I have been playtesting this, many of my playtesters have asked, wow, I had no idea that you were so well versed in the knowledge of tarot cards. And that was the biggest compliment to me because the reality was like, well, I don't know anything about tarot cards. I just <laughs> made this game around it. But I've since looked it up and studied it because my father, huge tarot guy, he learned tarot in Vietnam. So during the Vietnam War, he was constantly giving these soldiers tarot readings and whatnot. So his eyes opened wide once he heard and saw that I was doing this role playing game. 
this really fun father-son bonding experience sitting down with my dad and him actually telling me the difference between basically the different suits of cups, pentacles, and why sometimes they're called pentacles versus coins and history and the lore behind every single card. The major arcana, I totally get. When you get in the minor arcana where it's just the numbers, I can't believe how knowledgeable these tarot card readers are and how every single one has just as much of a story as the major arcana. But I'm rambling at this point. All that just to say, yeah, I've got a lot of games. One of the games <laughs> is Hats and Heroes. I've played that a ton. And that's still in development. I currently have, and I'm looking at a list right here, 20 games that are designed. And most of those are 60% ready to go. Yeah, lots of games before Two Rooms and a Boom. It's impressive. You don't ever hear about that. Well, Alan brings up like a good point, which is that to make a good game that gets all the way finished, there are a lot of games that don't get finished or like are in a holding period while you refine them. In my experience, and Alan's a much, much better and more prolific game designer than I am, you work an idea, you get to a place, it gets stuck, and then you get another idea and you move on to that idea for a while until the first idea sort of unlocks or, or an idea clicks for it. And eventually after doing all of these, something comes out of it that's like great and finished and good. But I don't think it's uncommon for a designer like Alan to have that many games that are like in process. I don't know. Is that fair, Alan? Yeah. I think the other big point, too, is that this is my hobby. My main job is what, Sir Byron Morgan? Um, you teach, I believe it's philosophy, and I cannot remember what college it was, but it's uh, in You Ohio. son of a bitch. No, it's psychology. <laughs> psychology. So, I am so sorry. No problem. A lot of people make that mistake. It's common. Philosophy, psychology, they both start with P. Anyway, I should know that because I just saw the shut up and sit down psychology talk literally yesterday or the oh, day yeah. before. And I'm just I don't know. I'm fried today, apparently. No worries. Seriously, don't be abashed. Yeah, that was fun. And there was also the psychology of play that I did with Plat Hat Games, which was filmed by the Boardwood Life crew. So that was cool. But that's my main gig. And that's what I spend most of every day doing. Playing the games and designing the games. That's just a love. I do it for the love. And a lot of times that doesn't even require it being published. Being published is just a whole bunch of validation. And that's kind of reserved for these games where I think I believe a lot of people would really love playing this and it should be out in the world. But selfishly, sometimes I don't even publish these things like the games that I play at the castle event I do every October. Those aren't published games, but I could probably publish them like Deathly Deals has been so refined over the years that I've been hosting this event at the castle that it's ready to go. I mean, it's at a hundred percent mechanically. It could just use some polish with hiring artists and things like that. And that's a 50 player game. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the special event kind of deal where it's like that exclusivity of I share this game with someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be for profit or for everyone else. You kind of sometimes have those games that you just play with someone else that don't need to be published. Yeah, like for instance, the tarot role-playing game, I feel almost that's something exclusive to myself and my wife. I, If I have the time and I want to and I get enjoyment from it, maybe I'll write out the rules in greater detail than I have and then release them on our website or something like that. But in the meantime, I just really like being able to just whip out a deck of tarot cards and go on an adventure with just one other person and you have this unforgettable three-hour evening. Even just hearing you talk about that game, like you may never publish it or whatever, but it obviously has some good, meaningful experiences with you, like even with connections with your wife or with your father. 
any of that stuff. That's great. And I'm glad that you have the opportunity to have time to make a game like that. And that may be something that you should probably just keep for yourself selfishly only because I mean, it, it builds great relationships and it's not going to do it for everyone. If you put it out in the world and people don't like it, it might salty that creation that you made. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, if I don't ever publish it, then I can't fail. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to knight someone? Ooh. Yeah. I'm really good at smooth transitions, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost bizarre in a way. Everything's come full circle. The tables have turned, if you will, Sir Byron Morgan, because here you are about to listen to a submission. Here's the coolest thing about this one. I've never done this before. I haven't even listened to this one yet, so it could be a total shit show. You guys ready? I'm ready. I'm so excited because this will be the first time I've listened to it. All right, so this is a Naved Night submission for Tuesday Night Games. Man, where to start? Pretty much feels like I've been living with Alan and Sean this last about week and a half. And now even SBJ because I've started from episode zero and then one and then started from... I think you guys are at like episode 117 and started working my way back. So now I'm on episode like 70. And that's about 50 episodes in two weeks. I've been <laughs> listening to your podcast pretty religiously. Myself, like Alan, I teach university students in Taiwan. I am on my semester break. We have our Chinese New Year coming up. So I've basically been working on my online business as well as listening to Tuesday Night Games podcast nonstop. So... About three, four months ago, a friend and I started our own podcast. Uh, we decided we wanted to do something that was related to language learning, education, and we wanted to make it fun. So we also included board games and took a board gaming angle with our podcast. So we are in the process of launching and we're still recording maybe another episode or two before we do launch. So we have a couple in the pipeline, as they say, in the podcasting business. But we're excited to get it launched, and we actually featured one of Tuesday Night Games, Two Rooms and a Boom, on one of our episodes. That is episode number five, so that will be coming out very soon. And we take board games, and we use them to help English language learners improve their English. It was really cool that I heard another Name Tonight submission of a teacher in Japan that also does the same thing. Sir James York. It's actually a growing kind of niche in the field of English language education, and there's recently been some research done, and I've went to a couple... English language conferences and listen to some presentations about how teachers use board games or gamifying their lessons. I love to see how I can add this into my lessons and how I can make my lessons more fun and engaging. That's where my story starts with how I got into using board games in education. Six years ago, I found myself teaching English to a group of elementary students in South Korea. I applied to some jobs right after graduation, and this was the first position that I heard back from. So I said, why not? Let's go to South Korea. Let's teach English. So as a first year teacher, it was pretty difficult. Some classes were a lot easier to manage. Um, some classes were very difficult. I was still working on behavior management in my classroom. And that's one of the maybe most important things with elementary students. I had one class in particular. It was a group of, we have no more than 12 students in a class, but this was actually a smaller class of nine, and there were eight boys and one girl. They were just out of control, and that was probably a mix of some behavioral problems on the student's end, as well as my lack of knowledge and teaching and how to manage a classroom. But eventually, I was able to find a solution. I realized I could use a game in my classroom. 
I've played English language games in my classes before, but always with this class, if it was just a game, they would be okay for the game. But the, towards the end of the game, they would kind of still get out of hand, get out of their seats, run around the class. So I figured I would try to use the Avengers as a way to introduce them in my classroom instruction and part of, make them a part of my lesson. The movie just came out. It was a really popular movie at the time. So I printed out some large pictures of the different superheroes, and I also printed out the bad guy, Loki, as well as just another superhero that was me, and I was also a bad guy. I put the students into groups, and I told them that this was going to be a game to see who can fight and defeat the bad guy first. So the way I set it up is I had the groups each choose a superhero. So I had maybe Iron Man or the Hulk, and I was the bad guy. I was the leftover superhero. So whoever they did not choose was my superhero. And the goal was to make it to the end of the board. So on the other side of the board was Loki. And so every question they answered correctly, or every time they did something they were supposed to be doing in class, I would decide that I could move the superhero over. But anytime they did something wrong, or they were speaking Korean, or they were out of their seat, or they were talking when they shouldn't be, or they answered the question incorrectly, I would remove my superhero. This was the best idea I think I've ever had. Um, and I realized this innovation and adding these elements of gamifying education really engages students. I do it in my college level or university level classes. I try to find ways to implement games or implement competition into the classroom. All of the students are engaged, even the ones that usually are maybe sleeping in class or on their cell phone. That's why we're at where we're at with our podcast, and we're trying to find ways to help English language learners engage in education. <laughs> okay, so I hope that was a, a good Nave Tonight submission. It would be great to hear back from you guys, and I have really enjoyed listening to the podcast and learning about different aspects of the board game industry. So please keep doing what you're doing. I really enjoy it, as I'm sure many others do. And before I go, I want to share with you a little sneak peek of our episode on Two Brooms and a Boom. Ooh. This is Board Gaming with English, where your hosts, Dustin and Rich, introduce tabletop games to help you improve your English. What, what, what is that noise? What, what, what is that? It sounds, it sounds like a bomb. It's a bomb? What? Three, two, one. Just kidding. Oh, God. It's not a real bomb. We're uh, going to play a game. It's a kind of about a bomb. What is it called? A bomb and a president. No, that's not the name. That's not the name. It's two rooms and a boom. Two rooms and a boom. So you have a bomb and you have a president. Thanks again for listening to my name tonight's submission. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you tune into our episode about two rooms and a boom to see if we can make it out alive. I really like that story. But what did you guys think? It's kind of weird how it weirdly tied into what we were just talking about, how someone like him who has designed like a small game for his classroom, it doesn't matter that he made that game not to make money, but to have an experience with the kids that he's teaching. And I think that's kind of like a missed area in board gaming right now is that people should make games just to make games and have fun, not turn a profit, whether that be on Kickstarter or something like that. He's doing it to serve a purpose, which would be to help teach these kids English. And that's absolutely fantastic. That's a really good point. I really like the gamification aspect. What about you, Sean? I think he cleverly tapped into something that nobody else has tapped into before. Some inclined to knight him for this reason alone, which is that he used his knight submission to market his own podcast. And we're like <laughs> the only podcast around that I could think of that would let you do that. 
I'm actually surprised more people hadn't taken advantage of that before. So I want to knight him something like Sir Shill. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. You guys want to just go ahead and knight him then? That's right. Approach ye, knave, and take a knee. We at the Tuesday Night Podcast at the Tuesday Night Gaming Table applaud thee. Thank you for your nightly contribution to this podcast. Please allow us to dub thee Sir Justin Schill. And rise, rise, a night of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Yay! Another one for the list. (laughs) I just wanted to say one thing that I've gotten some feedback on from listeners sending in comments, questions. People, when they binge listen to our show and won't listen to our zero episode advice, they'll actually start all the way at episode one and just binge, binge, binge. But what they end up doing is they end the episode early because we always have the same exit of shilling our names and where to find us. So I figured when red light is, stop doing that. And all I'll say is, please send in what you can to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And Byron, what's our Twitter account? It is at PlayTKG. I'm Alan Girding. You can find me on the tweets and the Facebook. I'm Sean McCoy. You can find me on Twitter at Sean McCoy, or you can read my blog at FailureTolerated.com. Thanks for listening to this Zero episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Sir Byron Morgan. And I think with that being said, this episode is... Finished. (laughs) I can't remember the voice I did. Alan Girding here. I just really wanted to take a sincere moment so I can thank everyone who's been helping this podcast throughout the years. Sir Byron Morgan coming onto this episode and doing the show notes on our website, TuesdayNightGames.com, is a great example of this amazing community stepping forward to help this podcast and really make it what it is. You want another example? No problem. Sir Delton Brack stepping up and doing the editing on many of these episodes. Oh man, does that save us a lot of time and effort so we can focus on other things. Sir James York, yet another example. He's allowed us to use his music that he publishes through his label, Cheap Beats, on Bandcamp. Whoa, music! Thanks, Sir James York. Last but not least, Every single Nave and Knight out there, especially those that leave us an iTunes review. Whoa! Thanks for being such sweet, sweet participants in this podcast. Even listening is fantastic. See you next time in episode 121. Yeah!